This morning's scripture reading will be from the book of John, chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, and in the Bibles in the pew, that's page 962. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. And truly Jesus did many, th- many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, we're glad that you're here. It encourages us that you're here, and we hope that we can be an encouragement to you. We do want to keep in our prayers the many people uh, surrounding us, especially to our south, uh, that have such tremendous losses in the last week. And we look forward to seeing ways that we could help them and serve our neighbor and love them as we would love ourselves and also look forward to ways that we could do that and give glory to God. So be listening about that and for that and, uh, and be ever so mindful of so many that are hurting. Somewhat the irony of a year ago exactly this uh, weekend, uh, so many of us were impacted and gave so much also uh, to uh, the natural disaster of the flood uh, this past year. Fastlane Magazine, a couple of decades ago, asked their readers to tell them in a survey whom they most would like to emulate in their lives. Now, keeping in mind that that was several decades ago, Colonel Oliver North was the number one choice. The second was President Ronald Reagan. The third was Clint Eastwood. And the fourth was a tie between Lee Coca and Jesus Christ. Who do you want to most emulate in your life? We can't expect the world to say, I'll put Jesus Christ first, but yet for this month, and hopefully for all of our life, but especially for this month, we want to be immersed into Jesus Christ. For this month, we want to stop and give serious consideration to what does a life look like? And more importantly, what does the Lord want us to see in that life of Him so that we can see our Lord as He truly is and become a reflection and a disciple of Him as He would truly want us to be? Near St. Louis, this picture was taken out of a vehicle and it reminds us of a very sober reality. Around this world, there would be a lot more people that would know Jesus Christ as profanity instead of as Lord. What is He in your life? He is who He is and who He has always been. But what is He to you? To you, does He need to become something different because the reality is you need to become something different? Who is the Lord Jesus Christ? When we look through the book of John, this gospel reveals Jesus in so many ways. And if you're not aware of that, I hope this next month you will become aware of that. I hope if you are not continuing your study and immersed in awe, that you would take this month as an opportunity to say, I want to get back into a daily reading of God's Word. 
If you are in this study, you know that we already will be approaching John 1 in just a few days. If you're not, why not grab your book and begin on lesson 125? You might want to skip every other day and and just stay just in the book of John this month. And those 21 chapters, would you read them this month? Would you agree that you would read them looking for exactly the purpose of the writing? That you would believe and that you would have life in Him. What do you find Jesus to be in the book of John? In John 1, we find Him to be the Word of God manifested. He became the living Word. We understand the Word of God better than we have ever understood the Word of God when Jesus came. Number two, we recognize that he describes himself to Nicodemus as being a gift from God. For God so loved the world that he gave. When Jesus spent time with the Samaritan woman, you remember that she was so impressed that she ran about town and she told people, come see a man who's told me everything that I have ever done. Could he be the Christ? And the words, the Christ means the glorified one. It's the brilliant one. The the one that we think of the word Messiah. In John 10, Jesus reveals himself as the good shepherd. Hirelings would run and allow the sheep to be destroyed, but not the good shepherd. He would and did lay down his life for the sheep. That very same chapter Jesus also revealed himself as the door. He said, I am the door. And it's if we pass through his entranceway that we can be saved, he says in that very same verse. We also see in that touching and chilling story in John the 11th chapter of Lazarus' death, he told Martha, I am the resurrection. He didn't just say, I can resurrect Lazarus. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Though we shall all die, if you believe in me, you shall live. And then when Thomas was confused because Jesus said, I go to prepare a place. And Thomas, longing to be with him, said, Lord, If we don't know where you're going, how would we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And in John 15, Jesus said, I am the true vine. He identified us as believers being the branches. And that if we abide in Him, we could have fruit. And we could live because He offers us not only life, but He offers us abundant life. In other words, life that is eternal and life with purpose. Friends, I hope you see just just a taste, just a glimpse of what we're going to be covering for at least a month and maybe a month and a few more Sundays to look into the Gospel of John There's many things we can learn in the Gospel of John, but what we want to do this month is look into the Gospel of John and say, Lord, we want to learn about you. 
Look again to the text that was read earlier. Look back if you, if you have your Bibles open to John the 20th chapter. And I want to emphasize again, there's not uh, many books in the Bible that the purpose of their writing is so clearly revealed to us. But notice how, how the Apostle John just clearly reveals. He says again in verse 30, And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. It's not just an intellectual discourse that John is giving. He doesn't just say, I want you all to believe. He says, I want you to believe so that you may have life. He wants you to believe so that your life will be different. Your Mondays will not look like the Mondays used to look before you became a believer in Jesus Christ. Your weekends won't look the same as the weekends before you became a believer in Jesus Christ. Your devotion time is real. It's fervent. It's, it's existing. It's, you couldn't imagine not having it as you didn't have it before you became a believer in Jesus Christ. Your worship to God is pouring out adoration to God. It's not just sitting in a pew because you believe Jesus Christ and you have life. You're no longer dead. You are alive. What do people who are eternally alive in Jesus Christ, what do they look like? What do they do? What do they believe? They believe in the Jesus that's revealed in the gospel. And so this morning, let's spend just a few minutes and let's look through some of the first few verses of John the first chapter. I hope you have your Bibles open. John the first chapter, if you want to take a Bible out of the pew there, it's about 938, 938, the Bible that's in your pew. And let's think about what is it that the Lord wants us to believe so that we can live as this introduction to this book begins. First, we need to understand whether or not Jesus is or is not deity. In John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. There's some interesting observations that are made there and that are told clearly there. And that is that in the beginning, Jesus, which is the Word, Logos, Jesus already existed. It didn't say in the beginning He was created. So he was already in the beginning. Notice also the, the personal relationship with the Godhead. In the beginning, he was with God. God the Father, God the Spirit. We read about God the Spirit within the first couple of verses of, of the book uh, of Genesis. The first book in the Bible. And so we see that he is eternal. We see that he is personal in the Godhead. But then we see if it left any doubt already, we see it very clearly stated. He was God. He is deity. That's important to know. It's important to know that not only is He God, our God, but He is Creator. Our Creator. Look at the very next verse. Look at verse 3. All things. How much? All. Can you have more than all? Sounds like a trick question, doesn't it? It's not a trick question. You can't have more than all. How much was made by Jesus Christ? All things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing. How much? None. Nothing was made that was made. Isn't it interesting? When we look at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1, what is it about? It's an introduction to deity. What do we need to know about deity? Deity 
is the creator of you and your world. That's Genesis 1. Do you remember in Acts 17th chapter? Paul goes into Athens, Greece, and he stands up and he preaches to people who have never met the Almighty God. And you remember the very first place he starts? He starts with, let me tell you about the God who made you and all that is in the world. How's the book of John going to begin? Let me introduce you to Jesus. He is deity. He made you and all that is in the world. Friends, I'm not making light of this when I say this. I'm emphasizing it when I say this. I suppose that's a very important point. If that's where God and His apostles begin time and time again. I need to know God. And I need to know God as my Creator. Because that humbly places me as His creation, submissive to the Creator. Now this physical world that He made, He made man with choice. And obviously as mankind, we haven't done so well with choice. So as Jesus came to this earth, He came to show the world something. Let's let's read verse 4. In Him, it's still talking about in Jesus, of course, in Him was life. Now, now pause there for a moment. What does that mean? In Him was also the, the breath and life of everybody else that was on the world at that time. So why does He say in Him was life? There's going to be something different about the life that Jesus had. Notice how we continue in verse 4. And the life was the light of men. The life that Jesus had was different. It was, it was what we could perhaps say a virtuous life. A perfect virtuous life. What's virtue? Moral excellence. It's the highest road. It's it's making the perfect decision. How how do I interact with you? Well, maybe I, I just do it right. Well, no, maybe I can do it best. When you and I choose what is morally right, when we choose the the moral excellence, we have chose virtue. Jesus came to this earth to show mankind how to live life in a world that was not virtuous. How do you know virtue? Well, you see, I I had a grandmother. She was about 4'10", and she was the sweetest lady on... Hush your mouth. She's not the standard of virtue. She may have been a wonderful, wonderful woman, but God is not going to sit on the day of judgment and say, Granny, now, was that right or wrong? I'm having to judge these people, and I need to know, was that a moral, excellent way? Oh, i tell you what a moral, excellent way. It's just me always being unselfish. If I'm just always unselfish and, and whatever anybody else wants, I just give it to them because I want to be unselfish. That's moral. No, that's not moral excellence. How do we know the life that brings enlightenment? It's Jesus. Jesus is the life that brought enlightenment for mankind to know a standard that is always right. Why do you and I need to read the Gospel of John? So we know what's right. So we know what's wrong. Jesus is the standard. He is the life that brought the light. And so that brings us to to the next point. And 
And that is, when He shines, He's going to be shining in a world of darkness. Look at verse 5, and then let's skip down and read verse 9. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Skip down to 9. That was the true light. See that capital L? Jesus is a true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Now throughout John, we can see this over and over, but let me quickly show you two ways that... We, the world that's in darkness. In other words, without Jesus, all of us are in darkness. So if we are the world in darkness, there's two responses to the light. Go to the third chapter in verse 20, just over a page in your Bible. Third chapter in verse 20. This is how some that are in darkness respond to the light. He says, for everyone practicing evil hates the light. See, it's it's that, that, that life that doesn't have moral excellence in it, hates the light and does not come to the light. Why? lest the deeds should be exposed. As long as I can do my evil deeds, surrounded by others that are doing evil deeds, I can feel really good about it. But when I bring my life full of evil deeds, close to the light of Jesus Christ, the light is shining, and now all of a sudden, I feel guilty. All of a sudden, I don't look so good anymore. And so there are many that say, I have the answer to that. I'm going to walk away from the light. I'm going to get out as as deep into the world as I can so that I can do what I want to do. John, the 12th chapter, gives a better explanation of what the world ought to do. In John, the 12th chapter, John 12 and verse 46, Jesus says, I have come as a light into the world. Notice that. He's come as a light into the world that whoever believes... Remember, why did he write the book of John? He wrote it so individuals would believe and have life. So whoever believes, he says in 46, in me should not abide in darkness. What if someone starts coming to the Lord and as they do, they realize, I never thought that was wrong before. But now that I'm getting closer to the Lord, I recognize there are a lot of things in my life that I honestly never have given much thought about before. But now as I get closer to the Lord, I realize it's wrong. Instead of running back into the depths of the world, what if that person says, I need to repent. I need to become a reflection of the Lord's light. I need to become a person of virtue just as He came to this earth and He showed the world a light, a life that's worth living Let's go back to our text in John 1. In John 1, we see that, that when Jesus came to shine the light, to show the darkness a better way to live, we see in John 1 in verse 10, for about three verses, a very beautiful explanation of what he offers to us. Look in verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. So that was he was in the world as incarnation, and that the world was made through him as creation. And the world did not know him. That's rebellion against him. He came to his own. That's talking about to the Jews. And his own did not receive him. That's referring to the crucifixion. But as many as received him, not all Jews rejected him, not all Gentiles. There were many. And there still today are many that receive Jesus. So notice what the blessing is for those that receive him. Verse 12. But as many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who what? Believe in His name. What's the purpose of this book? To get people to believe and live who were born, not of blood, not of the will of flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. The question is not, what nationality are you? Who are you following? The question is, are you God's? 
if you will allow Jesus, the light, to shine into your life and give your life over to the one who can save you, you can become a child of God. You don't have to remain out in the darkness of the world. Why? In John, the first chapter in verse 14, we see the teaching again that Jesus became flesh. This is the incarnation. I want you to notice verse 18. Skip down and let's read verse 18. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. We've talked all this time primarily about Jesus being deity, our Creator, but then the rest of the time we've talked about His coming to this earth and His relationship with us. But do you notice here, it's like He's holding a hand out to us and a hand back to the Father. And you notice what verse 18 is teaching? No one's seen the Father. But when we see Jesus, the Father is revealed to us. Remember when Jesus taught, if if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? Why do we need to study the Gospel of John? Why do we need to believe in Jesus? The more we know about Jesus, the more we know about our Heavenly Father. Now let's back up again to verse 14 and read 14 and 16 and 17 as we pull this lesson together here. Look at John 1 and verse 14. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible because it reveals so much about Jesus Christ to us and what He did coming to us. And it says, The Word became flesh. You and I will never understand that in its fullness on this side. We could sit in a Bible class and we could discuss this for a quarter. We could be perplexed but comforted. We, we could have questions and some answers. And we can have all the answers we need. But it's just amazing to think that God became flesh. God came into this world through, through a womb. God took on the struggles of mankind, the challenges, the servanthood, the death of mankind. He dwelt where? Among us. We beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. Notice this word, full. Of what? Grace and truth. And now look at verse 16. And of his fullness. We're going to come back to that word. That, that, that's uh, pleroma in, in Greek. Of his fullness we have all received. And grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. John is writing here. And John is saying, let me tell you about, about this Jesus. He's deity. But yet he came to earth and and he didn't live on this earth in a mansion on the hill and just occasionally send down servants. He came in flesh and blood and he lived right in the middle of us. He was a common man. He had common parents. He had a common education. But yet everything that he did for us can't even hardly be verbalized. What he offers for us is abundant. It's overflowing. It changes our eternity. And so it's in this setting that he writes and says that what Jesus offered to us was fullness of grace and truth. Pleroma has to do with complete. All of the grace you and I would ever need, Jesus brought it. He offered it. 
All of the truth that, that we would ever need, Jesus brought it. He offered it to us. He is the fullness of grace and of truth. Why do I need to know Jesus? Because if I don't, I don't know the grace that I need, desperately need. I don't know the truth that is so beautiful that I desperately need to know. So what I learned today, I learned first that John is not written for us to simply believe, but it's believing you may have life in his name. Friends, if your life hasn't changed to look more like Jesus all the time, you can't really claim the belief that He's urging us to have. Number two, I'm reminded that the Gospel of John begins with Jesus being deity and creator, which leaves us being humanity and creation, sinful and weak. Anytime we see God for who He is, we can't help but to see ourselves for who we are. And that's what makes the third point so beautiful. Pleroma is that completeness, and it is the fact that Christ is all that we need. He is the fullness of grace and truth. Everything that He has taught about, it's sufficient. All of the grace that He has offered, it is sufficient. In a Denver jewelry store, a woman went in to buy a cross on a necklace. She explained to the clerk what she wanted to purchase. And the clerk reached in the cabinet and to clarify, to make sure he showed her what she wanted, he said to her, he said, now, are you wanting the one that's just like a plain cross? Or are you wanting a cross with that little man on it? Can you imagine taking Jesus Christ out of the crucifixion? Can you imagine taking Jesus Christ out of your life? Have you ever put Jesus Christ in your life? I'm talking about the belief that changes everything. This morning, we're not just asking, are you religious? We're asking, do you believe that you have life? Immersed into Christ. The Lord's invitation is for all of us to become believers, willing to repent of sins, confess before men, and be baptized into Christ, as Galatians 3 and 27 teaches word for baptism is immersion, to be immersed into Christ. So that every day we live our life immersed into Jesus Christ's will. This morning, maybe you're ready for that. We'd love to assist you. Maybe you've already done that and, and you need to come back to that because you've left Him. Your life doesn't look like Him anymore. Friends, there are not any of us here perfect. But let's all leave here with the desire to read the Gospel of John this month and to see all of the teachings about belief and life.
in Jesus Christ. But let's make sure also we leave here knowing that because of Jesus, our life is right with our God. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.